So this afternoon we have the Attorney General of the United States coming uh, to the committee. Uh, there are a few questions that people are going to want to ask about. Uh, if it's not with, with regard to the uh, uh, Associated Press issue, maybe it's with regard to uh, the FBI investigation of what happened in the IRS with regard to not just Tea parties, but a lot of uh, groups, it turns out, that they were asking a lot of uh, uh, inappropriate questions that are not necessary to determine tax exempt status, or that it may be that they want to ask the Attorney General about uh, the you know, Boston Marathon uh, uh, matter, in which, uh, let, me, let me say first, the FBI and state and local law enforcement did a really outstanding job uh, in tracking down uh, these terrorists uh, and bringing them to justice uh, very quickly after the matter occurred, and in a very cooperative Unfortunately, there were some uh, problems with information sharing uh, beforehand that uh, may have, we don't know, but may have helped to uh, avoid it. And there were some issues afterwards in terms of the ability of the FBI to ask necessary questions uh, of the uh, surviving terrorists about potential other plots, conspirators, bombs, and so on. So uh, all of that will be of interest to the members of the committee. Uh, and whole array of other issues, including the profligate waste that's occurring uh, uh, in all sectors of the government as the administration attempts to uh, uh, vilify sequestration, a legitimate effort to cut 2.5% of the entire federal budget, or about 7 to 8% of the, the domestic and, uh, and uh, defense discretionary spending. Uh, at, at a time when uh, the department has purchased a new prison, uh, at a cost of $170 million, but we have four prisons, new prisons, all standing empty, uh, and at a time when they're having uh, $12 cups of coffee at $10,000 pizza party. So there'll be questions there about uh, why it was necessary to put uh, 2,200 deportable uh, uh, aliens, uh, uh, many of them were criminal aliens, some of them were serious criminals, out on the street in order to save money again, uh, commit crimes against uh, uh, citizens of the United States. So uh, all of those things are on the agenda. If you'd like to ask questions about any of them and, uh, and many others, please don't hesitate. Uh, I know we're going to talk about immigration today, and I'm delighted to do that. I want to mention uh, just a few other uh, items that are on the agenda of the committee. Uh, litigation reform. Uh, we will uh, be uh, addressing the uh, Lawsuit Abuse Reduction Act. Uh, and the FACT Act, uh, which deals with uh, litigation abuse involving bankruptcy and tort claims over asbestos-induced injury and illness. We will also uh, be working, and we are working uh, very hard, on uh, additional patent reform. As you know, we passed the most significant patent reform legislation in, uh, in my lifetime uh, last Congress, uh, and that was great work done by my predecessor, Mar Smith who, by the way, in what uh, many people would view as the uh, most contentious committee in the Congress in terms of the issues that we deal with, we also have, for example, uh, protecting the Second Amendment uh, on our agenda. We also have uh, uh, life issues uh, on the committee's agenda, uh, also in the news uh, these days. Uh, we also have uh, constitutional amendments, criminal law, uh, about which we have launched a new task force uh, that will review the over-criminalization 
of federal law, looking at whether we need so many federal laws. We're, at, we're adopting 500 new criminal laws a decade right now. We're up to 4,500 federal criminal laws, uh, many of which do not require uh, mens rea or intent uh, to uh, uh, be convicted of a crime. So many businesses and individuals, we, we cite the example of the 11-year-old girl who saved a uh, woodpecker uh, from her cat that was uh, a little uh, damaged, so she put it in a cage, uh, and her mother got uh, uh, charged with uh, violating the Migratory Bird Act. And uh, they backed away from that one. That's good. <laughs> We're not backing away from using it as an example. Criminalization of federal law. There are now 25 or more federal government agencies and departments. Uh, that have uh, authority uh, to uh, arrest people, uh, guys with uh, badges and guns. Uh, we think that that uh, is not what the public uh, uh, understands, that uh, the limited uh, uh, law enforcement scope of the federal government, the traditional uh, areas like the FBI, the DTA, DEA, and the uh, ATF are well, well beyond that, and that's subject to this review. Uh, and things like uh, uh, overpopulation of our prisons. The federal rate is still going up. The number of people incarcerated in many states are going the opposite direction because they have uh, reviewed this area. And mandatory minimum sentencing also uh, should be looked at to see how well that is working. So all these things are on the table for a bipartisan uh, task force uh, to examine. And uh, with regard to patent reform, though, we also view this as another area where we need to do litigation uh, we also have uh, on our agenda uh, many regulatory reform uh, issues, including uh, the RAINS Act, which uh, will deal with uh, allowing the Congress to have a look at uh, regulations written by government agencies after the law has been passed so that the Congress can say, yes, indeed, that's what we intended, we wrote that law. Instead of, you've gone way beyond it, we're going to put a halt to it until that is fixed. Uh, these are just a few of a multitude of items uh, that we're all hard at work on, every subcommittee uh, on the committee and uh, the great uh, attorneys and other staff uh, that are working on this are doing an outstanding job managing all those issues and yet none of them even begins to compare to the amount of time and energy we're putting into uh, the issue of immigration reform, which is definitely at the top of our agenda. We have a broken immigration system in the country and we are hard at work trying to find solutions to fix it. Uh, we have a great uh, new subcommittee chairman in Trey Gowdy from South Carolina. Uh, he has held uh, a multitude of hearings at the subcommittee level. We've held some at the full committee level as well. We have embarked upon an effort to educate every member on the House side, and we believe the Democrats are doing the same on their side of the aisle, uh, with regard to what constitutes immigration law. It's a very complex subject. There are three members in the House, all happen to be members of the Judiciary Committee, practiced immigration law uh, prior to coming to Congress. Uh, as Susan mentioned, I am one of those. I had uh, an extensive uh, business immigration practice with a good portion of work on uh, family immigration law as well. Uh, and also, Zoe Lofgren from California and Raul Labrador from Idaho practiced immigration law. But uh, beyond that, for most members of Congress, this is a uh, subject which uh, is very confusing and it is very complex. It's not unlike uh, the tax code in many respects in, in terms of its complexity. 
So uh, we've been holding briefings, and now more than half of the uh, House Republicans have participated in the briefings that we've been doing in conjunction with the WIP uh, office and uh, with the uh, policy committee. And uh, they are generating very lively, very helpful, and I'm sure very enlightening for uh, not just for the members, but for those of us working on the issue uh, in helping to determine a pathway forward uh, to address this problem. You know, we are a nation of immigrants. There's not a person in this room who can't go back a few generations or several generations and find someone in their family who came to the United States uh, to better their lives for themselves and their family. Uh, we are also a nation of the laws. The rule of law is obviously uh, uh, one of the principles upon which the Judiciary Committee operates, but more importantly, it is uh, a key principle to the success of our nation. So these two things uh, are both important to address. And when I say we have a broken immigration system, we indeed have a broken immigration system. We have legal immigration laws in many areas that <coughs> give uh, tremendous opportunities to grow our economy and create jobs and uh, uh, really uh, uh, restore American uh, vitality in some sectors, uh, keep us in the forefront in other sectors and uh, put uh, our uh, economy uh, on a path where we can uh, see real economic growth and where we can uh, deal with problems like the national debt. And people, uh, the right people coming to the United States who offer uh, those uh, opportunities and uh, who may graduate from American universities and then go somewhere else instead of staying here, uh, that's a bad idea. Keeping them here working in U.S. companies or uh, even uh, starting their own companies uh, with the opportunity to lawfully stay here after they come out of our great uh, uh, universities is something that we need to be addressing. We also have needs in other sectors of our economy. Agriculture is one that I'm particularly familiar with. Uh, I worked for years as chairman of the House Agriculture Committee uh, on uh, uh, the agricultural guest worker program and uh, all the while not having jurisdiction over the issue because it was in the Judiciary Committee. But uh, now we have a happy coincidence there that uh, uh, we're able to address that issue and we are very much uh, uh, doing just that. So legal immigration reform uh, and uh, many other aspects of that is absolutely uh, important to address. And it's not being addressed. We've been trying for years to get it addressed. So uh, keep that in mind. Secondly, uh, we are not seeing our current immigration laws enforced, and we need some new laws uh, to assure that we do have proper respect for that rule of law, proper enforcement of the law. Uh, the uh, Homeland Security Committee uh, has primary jurisdiction over issues related to securing our border, and they are hard at work on that. In fact, uh, they are marking up a bill dealing with that aspect of uh, uh, the immigration issue this week, and uh, we are encouraging them in that regard. Uh, we also believe that it's very important to address this issue with regard to the interior of the country as well because first of all 35 to 40 percent of the people who are not lawfully present in the United States entered the country illegally on student visas, visitors visas, business visas, visa waivers uh, and all of those people uh, entered the country legally so securing the border really does not affect that aspect of illegal immigration. 
and therefore we need to have a uh, system where uh, we are reducing the magnets that draw people here, uh, and uh, we are engaging more people than what the federal government can put on the ground to make sure that our immigration laws are enforced. So uh, we will be coming forward here uh, within the next week or so uh, with a uh, companion piece of legislation that will uh, supplement, complement what they're doing in Homeland Security, but focus on the interior of the country. You may have noted that the 5,000 member uh, ICE organization that deals with the interior of the country as opposed to the border uh, security issues has sued the Obama administration for uh, prohibiting them from doing their job. Uh, and we expect that we'll see uh, uh, some uh, interesting decisions coming out of the uh, case in Texas where that uh, lawsuit rests. But 5,000 people in a, in a nation of more than 3 million square miles and 300 million people uh, is not enough to address uh, this issue in terms of having the kind of uh, help on the ground that's needed in really every community in America. So I believe that we should resolve these disputes that the federal government, particularly the Obama administration, has been having with Arizona and Alabama and other states and give clear statutory authority to uh, the states to be involved uh, in the process of enforcing our immigration law not to have separate immigration policies, uh, not to have uh, separate immigration laws, but if they choose uh, to participate, to be clearly allowed to participate and not in the sort of situation here where in uh, Arizona they set out to do some things, the Supreme Court said, well, you can't do these things, you can do these things, things that they can't do, some of them they could do uh, with the proper passage of uh, legislation, uh, and some that they could do uh, the current administration took their football and went home when they lost part of that, that case and said, well, we're not going to allow you to participate uh, in our program that we exercise in a, in a, a spotty and intermittent fashion around the world. We need to change that and make that very clear. Why do we need to change it? Because we need to assure the American people that uh, we're not going to, in this effort at immigration reform, and this is a very serious effort and we need to address all of it, but we're going to not repeat mistakes that we made in 1986. This is absolutely critical. In 1986, we uh, gave uh, an easy pathway to citizenship to uh, close to 3 million people uh, with the promise that we would have new employer sanctions, that we would have new uh, border security provisions, and that we would enforce the law, and therefore illegal immigration was on its way out the door with the passage of that legislation. But of course, the opposite occurred. We passed bad laws with regard to legal immigration reform, laws that were unworkable in sectors of the economy like agriculture. Uh, today, probably 90% uh, of farmers do not use the H-2A legal guest worker program because of, for a variety of reasons it is truly uh, unworkable. So what we need to have is a workable legal system there, but we also need to have clear enforcement of the law. So. Uh, that leads us to the third key issue here, and that is what about the status of uh, millions of people, no one knows exactly how many, the most commonly used number is 10 to 11 million, but uh, in any event, there are far more people unlawfully present in the United States today than there were in 1986. So clearly, that did not work, 
and clearly we now need to address the situation. So if we get the legal immigration reform right, and it's important to do that if you give a legal status, people are not lawfully here, because in 1986, about uh, one-third of our agricultural workforce left the farms and got jobs elsewhere. Jobs that aren't as tough. Jobs that uh, aren't as backbreaking uh, as a lot of agricultural work is. So we need to have an opportunity for people who want to come here uh, on a temporary basis, but on a workable basis for all of agriculture, uh, to be able to do that. And so when we have a legal status, uh, if we can get to that, uh, and people leave as they will, and I don't believe we can have any kind of legal status that would tie somebody to a particular uh, area of work. They're going to be able to work wherever they want to. They're going to be able to travel in outside the country. They're going to be able to, if required to, pay taxes. They're going to be able to, I would uh, perceive, uh, start uh, their own businesses. And there are lots of uh, a great opportunity with a legal status, but we have to anticipate what happens uh, with uh, the need for legal immigration reform. And we've got to have enforcement moving forward. And that leads us to uh, the problem with the Senate bill, which is that uh, uh, we, first of all, we very much commend the so-called gang of eight in the Senate and the Senate itself for addressing this issue. It needs to be addressed. Uh, but we do have concerns that they are uh, going to provide a legal status uh, to uh, millions of people and then fix these problems with regard to E-Verify, which uh, many of you are familiar with. We have uh, in both the House and Senate good E-Verify legislation. The House is a little different than the Senate. Uh, but it is nonetheless uh, something that uh, is workable for the enforcement of our laws and is workable uh, from the standpoint of business. And those who voluntarily use it, more than 500,000 companies in the United States voluntarily use it today. Its accuracy rate is now up to 99.7%, and uh, it is very, very important to have that. But if we're going to have a mandatory uh, uh, E-Verify in place, we need to put it in place immediately uh, with a lead-in time based on the size of the business, uh, but uh, our bill in the House provides that it will be completely in place within two years. Uh, secondly, we need to have an entry-exit system, which has been mandated by the law for uh, about 17 years now and still not in place. Uh, I know some of the companies represented here could easily and quickly figure out how to do that. Uh, uh, if the government were really serious about doing it, but it's a very, very important aspect, not just to uh, knowing who's uh, not lawfully in the, pre in the United States, but also the key to solving the desires of many countries to be part of the visa waiver uh, program. Right now, we base uh, a country's eligibility for that on the refusal rate at the U.S. consular offices when they apply for a visa overseas. Well, even different consular offices can impose different standards, and therefore, it's somewhat arbitrary. But if you knew what the percentage of people who were admitted to the country had actually left the country because you had a, a workable electronic system to say they came in, they left, you'd know what the real percentage of uh, overstays in the country was and be able to better judge uh, which countries should be given the visa waiver program. Uh, the border security issues are also uh, important in that regard, and this uh, interior enforcement and local law enforcement are better serve in that regard. So if those things were put in tandem with the granting of legal status rather than afterwards, people might be more willing to trust that they would get 
what they didn't get after the 1986 law, and that is real, meaningful enforcement, uh, and not enforcement that one person, namely the President of the United States, and not just this President of the United States, but others as well, can basically flip a switch and say, well, you know what, we're just not going to enforce this whole area uh, of immigration law. We can't have that repeat of 1986. In the House, we are determined not to make the mistakes that were made in the Senate in 2007, when an immigration law was brought forward in cooperation between a Republican president and a Democratic Senate, and basically imposed from the top down, without the necessary groundwork to educate not just the members of Congress, but the public about the issue, and uh, uh, to make sure that it goes through regular order, which that did not do in the Senate. The Senate is paying more attention to that. We're paying a lot of attention to that, and we are working through this methodically uh, with series of bills. We're now up to three, counting the Homeland Security Bill, two more that we'll introduce this week, one dealing with high-skilled workers, both uh, immigrant and non-immigrant high-skilled workers, uh, and uh, uh, investors, and uh, people who and others want to invest in, but uh, want to uh, participate in a startup. And it's better, in my opinion, that that startup be here in the United States. In, Boston or Austin or Silicon Valley or Northern Virginia or anywhere else uh, in, in, uh, in my district in Southwest Virginia. We have lots of uh, uh, internet-related startup businesses. We want to encourage that uh, with a uh, piece of legislation that would work in that regard. 